may be seated for the lesson. Our scripture reading for this evening is taken from the book of the prophet Isaiah, the 60th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And the Lord says to his church, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now increase our faith through them. Amen. If you're having trouble getting your crops to grow, your garden to grow, I have a solution for you. And you could go and worship at the altar of the goddess Astarte. And I'll read to you from my seminary notes so you know how to do this if you ever have trouble with this. She is a virgin who is also sexually promiscuous. Her two main concerns are sex and war. Her main role is with procreation of both humans and animals. She is the goddess of maternity. In worship to her, prostitution was encouraged. The prostitutes who served at her altar were considered holy and sacred. She is often depicted as a naked woman on top of a lion, holding a lotus blossom and a snake. She's a gory goddess who bathes in the blood of guts of her victims. In order to get her to wake up and, and, and to do her work to make your crops grow, you had to get her excited. You had to engage in sex with a prostitute at her temple to make her activate. And you guys thought seminary was boring. <laughs> Pretty shocking when we hear or read about some of the religious practices, not only in ancient times of the Canaanites, where this comes from back before the time of Christ, but there are some wild ideas about who God is and how to find God that are even around us today. People estimate that there are at least four or 5,000 religions through the years that have been established and written down. And it simply, when we read something like this or hear something like this, it simply magnifies to us the problem of spiritual darkness that human beings have about God on our own. We just don't have a clue where to go and look to find God. We'll make up mythological ideas. Had you and I not been taught and understood from the word of God who this God is and how we are to worship him, what strange ideas would we be a part of? In fact, think of it this, this way, in your family history, in your family tree, if you could go back far enough before Christianity arrived, what weird religious ideas and practices, what strange gods would your ancestors have been involved with? It's as if, it's as if human beings are sitting in a, a large theater and the, the lights have been very dimmed and up on the stage, there's a huge curtain that's been pulled, a black curtain. And we can tell that there's some movement behind it. We can tell there's something there, but we're trying to guess out in the audience, in the darkness, we're trying to guess exactly what is going on behind that curtain. And so these guesswork gods that we come up with, man has come up with a variety of ideas, animals, things in the planet world, the sun, the moon, the stars, 
all these different things that, uh, that, that human beings have come up with to try to imagine who this God is. Isaiah says it well, doesn't he? He says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. It covers the whole earth, the whole, all of humanity, all human beings by ourselves are just, are just covered in this darkness. There's a, a hymn at the beginning of our hymn book that says, all our knowledge, sense, and sight lie in deepest darkness shrouded. Have you ever seen images, maybe in movies, of, of people who are about to be executed in medieval times, and they would put a black hood over them and tie a rope around their neck before they were going to be executed, either hung or have their head cut off? That's, that's kind of a picture of, of what human beings are like as far as trying to know God without, without him coming to us. We're just shrouded in darkness. We have no idea. We're just groping, and we're just waiting for our death to take place. The, um, a great theologian by the name of Dr. Robert Kolb, Kolb writes this. He says, it's interesting to note that the pictures of a hidden God, which we shape in our own image, all depict him primarily as a demanding rather than a giving, creating, and producing God, thus reflecting our own fallen nature. So if we're ever going to know who this God really is, groping in our darkness, it has to come from him. He has to be the one that comes and pulls the hood off. He has to be the one that comes and turns the light on. He's the one that has to come and reveal himself to us, to manifest himself to us, for us to have any actual knowledge of him and what he thinks of us and what he's done for us and what he's planned for us and for our lives. And so God now comes and interposes into human history through his word and through the word made flesh, his own son, Jesus Christ, who's come to be our savior. And through that word, he now shines a light on on how we should know him in a completely different way than human beings would imagine. He wants us to know him as a God of mercy and compassion and grace, a, a forgiving God, a God who has taken steps to, to get us out of our graves someday, a God who has come to sacrifice himself rather than having to make us sacrifice, that he's come to sacrifice himself in order for us to have a good relationship with him. It's interesting when, um, when Peter and the other disciples were talking to Jesus and Jesus was asking them one day, who do people say that I am? And they gave him all these different ideas. And then he said to them, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter accurately confesses that he is the Christ, the Messiah that has come. And Jesus then says to him these words. He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Whenever that confession of who Christ is comes out of a person's heart and mouth, God is the one who's made that revelation known to them. It's not something man does. It doesn't come from flesh and blood. God the Father is the one that causes that to happen by revealing his Son to us. And it's through that holy word that he brings us not only to the manger to see this loving Savior that's come, but also to his cross and his empty grave. And he now says this to, the, to his church of believers. This, is, this text is God talking to those who trust in the Savior. He says, arise, shine. Those are, those are words of encouragement. Arise, shine, 
for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. The goodness of God is, is shining on us, he says. The Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And then I want you to hear these words again, thinking of, of what he's saying about us as believers in this world regarding all of the darkness of unbelief that's around us in the world. Listen to what he says. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you, your sons and your daughters from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. That's a picture of what the holy Christian church in this world, how, how it acts as a light in the world. Uh, that's a, a, a theme that Jesus picks up as well. That we in our lives of faith and, and in our confession of Christ, even when we worship him, we are like shining lamps out into the world. And God will use that bright shining light through the church, through her confession, to draw other people to the side of this precious Savior. Have you ever been in really deep darkness? You know, a few years ago, I don't know if you remember, there was a story about a soccer team from Thailand uh, that, that happened. They got, they got lost in a cave. Uh, Netflix apparently has been putting a movie together about it. Maybe some of you have seen it. And um, they were trapped down in the darkness of this cave. And one of the boys talked about, after they were rescued, what it was like to finally see the light come through the cave of one of their rescuers and to see that flashing off of, the, off of the walls. Just think what we have been spared from by God. Think of the darkness we have been pulled out of because of God's mercy and grace, because the light of his gospel has, has now shone into our lives and into our hearts. And think how God wants, you, uh, wants to now come and reveal himself to you. He doesn't want you to, to envision him as a God of anger and a God you should be afraid of. He wants you to know him as a God of mercy and forgiveness and grace. He, he doesn't want you to feel like he's going to crush you with his, his uh, wrath and like fire and brimstone. Instead, he pours cool water on you. He doesn't, he doesn't come to you with a, a, a horrible and difficult taste like a vinegar, but he puts the sweet bread and wine of your Savior's body and blood on your tongue. This is how God now wants to come and have you know him. And so I say to you as well, arise, shine, for your light has come. Amen. And let us arise and sing his praises.
Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair. 